Yo, it's your boy, buddy. You. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Cloud John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is Long Range Two Pointers, and my God, I did not realize how sensitive people were about the NBA coming back. This is a basketball podcast, right? So, of course, I wanted to see the league come back. I know, Tage, you wanted to see the league come back, but I was not as angry as these niggas <laughs> at the mere suggestion that, hey, maybe you shouldn't play basketball right now. Just just give me your initial response to the entire Kyrie Irving fiasco. Well, my first, my, the first thing I thought was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Because it's Kyrie Irving. Like, when he says things, your first response is to go, what the fuck is he talking about? But I kind of feel him on that, I guess, the reason why this whole social awakening has happened is that we're free of distractions and there's nothing else going on, no sports, no anything. But, like, first of all, number one, it's Kyrie, so come on. And then number two, like, he's not playing anyway. He's <laughs> stopping him. Like, just do it. Okay, so let's so let's settle the backstory, right? So ever since March 11th, when everybody ran screaming for the hills, um, and we found out that Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. The NBA, like the rest of the sports world, has been on a hiatus. And people have been clamoring for the league to come back. The NFL season was already done. Baseball hadn't started yet. So the NBA was the major sport that had to suspend things right in the middle of the action, headed towards the playoffs. So they were pressed with some of the toughest decisions to make on when to come back and how they would be able to come back. And there were rumors about it for months. And finally, you get this Orlando bubble plan where you find out there's going to be this odd 22-team format. Initially, players agreed, owners agreed, we were set to go. And then at the 11th hour, no, no, what we did get was we got word of a call between some of the biggest names in the NBA. LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, Chris Paul, some of those guys. There were some noticeably absent names from that call, and those people had another call, which was apparently spearheaded by Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie... By, by Union Vice President Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, we're going to get to his bona fides, because I think Kyrie... I This is the first time I may have been on Kyrie's side with some shit, but anyway, so... I don't think that's something Kyrie, you ever want to like find yourself saying out loud. This is the first time in my life that it's ever happened. Kyrie Irving is the reason why we Listen. exist, by the way. I just want to point that out. That is true. Dog 2020 has been weird. Like, weird things have been happening. Me siding with Kyrie Irving may be one of these things. So, Kyrie leads a call of about, I think they said 80 to 85 players. And what emerged out of that, the main storyline out of that, was him saying... I don't think we should be messing with this Orlando thing. I don't think it's the right time for the NBA to come back. I think we'd be a distraction. I think we should focus all of our efforts centrally on the struggle of the protesters trying to find equality maneuvering through America and the blatant police brutality and everything people are protesting and speaking out against. So 
he was on the side of that, and I gotta say, I'm not surprised because immediately when we heard the league was coming back, and I think I even said this, I said this in several of my chat groups, I may have even said it on a pod, but I thought there would be a whole lot of players that voiced this same exact sentiment because you've seen so many NBA players on the front lines. You saw J- Jalen Brown drove 15 hours back home to to spearhead a protest. You had Malcolm Brogdon out there, Damian Lillard, several members of the Warriors. There's been all sorts of NBA players on the front, not just posting things or donating money, but literally marching in the streets. So my first thought was going was, how many of these guys are going to be centrally focused on basketball once the league decide to come back? So I did not think Kyrie's take came from way out of left field. Definitely not, but it's fucking Kyrie, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Don't you think it's too easy for us to say that, though? Like, and, and this is the thing, right? There, there's always there's this saying where people say, you know, don't kill the messenger. People were destroying Kyrie Irving, and I gotta say, I did not expect the backlash to be so visceral. It, it's almost the same thing you said just now where you were dismissive saying it's Kyrie. Like, that's what everybody did. Because, okay, if you don't know, Kyrie Irving's a weird guy. Kyrie Irving is somebody who is in his own thoughts way too much. I think Kyrie Irving probably smokes too much weed, maybe a weird strain of, strain of weed. I don't know. I think, Kyrie I think Irving he's on is that, somebody. Kyrie, Kyrie's on that Bill Walton. Like that's that's more than weed. That's that's those are other things that Kyrie is dealing with. He, he's in that. Microdosing. He's on that universal like uh, on a universal introspective third eye tip. Yeah, he's a, he's an open your third eye kind of guy. He had a flat Earth theory that I think really introduced the basketball world to the weird thoughts of Kyrie Irving. Um... I think he recently also became an official citizen of his Native American tribe or something like that. But I know he went to some indoctrination ceremony and he talked about how emotional that was. So he is really in tune. He, he also made the comment last season that the minute he's done playing basketball, none of these people in this world are going to hear from him. So he's... He's already aloof, but preparing just to be separate from all of this. So you know, I say you- all that to say... He's a different kind of guy. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Hansel from uh, from um, from Zoolander. Wow! Like, um, go on. You're, you're going to have to explain this. Like, yeah, Hansel. Like, he lived in a house with like a Sherpa and a goat and like uh, African Maasai tribesmen, and they were all in like a polyamorous relationship. If you found out that that Kyrie Irving lived that same existence, would you be shocked? Absolutely not. I feel like Kyrie Irving is approaching what Bill Simmons called the Tysonic zone of craziness, where anything he says, or if you hear a rumor that Kyrie Irving said something crazy, you almost have to believe it, right? Because he said the earth is flat. (laughs) If you're going with 14th and 15th century theories on science, then everything's on the table. Even like his background is kind of ridiculous. Like he was born in Australia. Like he was, he was literally yeah. born in Australia. He's an Aussie citizen. His dad like worked in the World Trade Center, but he got to work late during September 11th and had to like walk home to the Bronx. Like he didn't hear from him for like two days. Like his mother died. Like he has a bizarre like Benjamin Button like kind of backstory that brought him here. 
Like everything about him is strange. And and honestly, when he said that he wasn't well, he said from the jump that he wasn't going to finish the season. But he strikes me as the kind of guy who feels like, well, this coronavirus thing is a hoax anyway. It's what they they don't want you to know that. So I'm not going along with any of this. Like I saw, I thought it was some bizarre thing. I didn't I didn't expect him to give such well thought out statements on social justice and the need to fight for it. And he might be right, but it's Kyrie. Like I. I feel like if he if he gets into it and he tries to elaborate on it, it's gonna go to strange places. But why are we unable to get past that point though? And to me, just watching a lot of the coverage of the reaction to him, I was kind of taken aback by the fact that we can't get beyond the oh it's Kyrie because very early on now it was for different reasons, but very early on Damian Lillard said. If we don't have a chance to play in the playoffs, then I'm not coming back risking my health to try and continue the back half of an NBA season. And people were like, okay, I get that. That's fine. So you mean to tell me if Kyrie Irving said we shouldn't play because of COVID-19, that would have been okay. But him saying we shouldn't play because we should be focusing our efforts here, that's not okay? I think his statements were divisive because a lot of people are counting on that money. Kyrie doesn't need that money but 90 percent of nba players do like the rank and file of the nba needs that money so i think that's where a lot of people well a lot of people in the nba were kind of upset at him you see austin rivers take shots in him i mean i don't know how much of that money austin rivers needs and then i think a lot of people just want their basketball back i want my basketball back i i i believe that um i'm not angry about it and i believe that there are bigger battles to be fought but I want my basketball back, and here's this idiot who, uh, whose entire meltdown launched our website, who says all these dumb things, standing in the way of us getting our basketball back. So I can see people being pissed. Like people want sports, especially the type of people who really may not be into this whole protesting thing, and that that might have a lot to do and, with it too. And you know what? And because of those people. I find myself saying, well, maybe we should listen to these. We should listen to these concerns because, again, Kyrie Irving is not the only one that thought this. Kyrie Irving is probably just the biggest name that thinks this. Irrespective of what you feel about him, he's a elite talent in this league. His sh- And I know people of a certain age don't like Kyrie Irving, and he's the one that has the target on his back for being a weird person that's, that's aloof. But the younger generation loves him. Like, his shoes sell a ridiculous amount. So, his name does hold some kind of weight in this league. And, I don't know. I, I guess a part of me a part of me is sensitive to, to the coverage of it. Because the players that are often seen as not all about the sport, they're the ones that get dismissed very easily. So, if you're not all in, I eat, sleep, and breathe basketball, football, or whatever the sport is then you get lambasted by the media. Then your concerns aren't as valid because you don't do the cliches and the platitudes like everyone else does. And they do this with they do this with everybody that has this approach. So yes, it's Kyrie. Yes, Kyrie may be a dick, but that also doesn't mean that Kyrie is wrong about this. No, the 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 more I hear about what he has to say, the more because when he first came out and said this stuff, I was like, Who's fucking Kyrie man, like shut up. But the more I've heard what he has to say about it, I do think his concerns are valid and what he wants is valid. Um, but I'm not, I, I guess I'm not all the way sold on it. I also understand that guys need to make money. What I am worried about is they're going, where are they going into the bubble now? 
When are they? Where? Um, where? Oh, Orlando? In, in, in Florida. And Florida. Florida is a state that didn't take any measures to prevent the spread of COVID. Oh. So. Oh, no. That, that shit has been blowing up this week. They, they did not do like, anything to prevent people from getting it. They didn't do anything to kind of curb anything. They, they took no efforts whatsoever. So those players are leaving the safety wherever they are to go to a hotspot and expose themselves for profits. And that's a legit concern, too. Yeah, I, I just, listen, I just think that there should be some critical thinking going into this thing and people should have expected that there would be the nba has what like 450 to 500 players there's no way you could expect that that group with this with this social unrest in america there's no way you could think that that many minds are going to be along the lines of one thought process you had to think there was going to be dissenting voices because if my first react i am not in the nba but my first reaction was there's going to be a whole ton of people that basketball won't be their top priority right now. I don't see what's wrong with Kyrie Irving giving voice to that. And I get both sides of it because if people that do other jobs were able to get go back to work and basketball is these guys' job. And I think people tend to forget that sometimes. They have been out of work for, what, three months? They want to go back to work too. Like you said, there's a whole lot of money involved in this. So they need to get back to work. But everybody's not going to be on board. And I don't think that he should be vilified for saying, look, maybe there's some more important things we got to worry about right now. Because Steven Jackson came behind him and said, oh, you know what? Let's talk about having the worst ally possible, right? <laughs> and it's not Steven Jackson. It's not Steven Jackson. No, Steven like, Jackson is like the it, best. I mean, if you know anything about his exploits in Indiana, we, we know about Malice at the Palace. But we don't. people don't know about the incident at the strip club where he shot his gun off. Um, I, yeah, Malice, Malice at the Palace was the second. <laughs> it was the second worst thing that they did. It was the second worst thing. The, the he 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 got into uh, behind Jamal Tinsley. I think Jamal Tinsley got in a fight. He he recently recounted it on a podcast with Matt Barnes. But he got he got Jamal Tinsley got into a fight, and then he went and got his gun and shot his gun. That is an ally you want yeah. in any situation. Yeah, and we saw we saw at the Malice at the Palace, uh, Steven Jackson was the first one following Ron Artest up in the stands to start throwing haymakers. So this is an ally that you want. And he his thoughts align with Kyrie Irving. And obviously, because we know how personal George Floyd's death was to him, being a friend of his. But there were also dissenting voices to that train of thought. Um, but let's, let's stick with the allies. Was there a worse possible ally for Kyrie to have than Dwight Howard? Because, my God, I mean, do, does anybody remember where Dwight Howard's career was two years ago? Does anybody remember what the storyline surrounding Dwight Howard was two years ago at the tail end of that Washington thing? I, all I remember is that soliloquy he gave um, when he was... When he was, I don't know where he was. I don't know what team he was going to, but when he's talking about how he learned to do magic and then some shit, I don't know. It was fucking terrible. But um, but I feel like if Dwight Howard, if you could sum up his whole person into a single sequence, it would be that awful soliloquy. Like, I, I, I learned to fly rockets and then now I'm going to do magic with the wizards, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah. Like... Fucking dude. And th- th- listen, I don't know if there has been two players that have achieved what they have achieved on the basketball court, but has also lost more 
locker rooms and teammates than Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard. Like, <laughs> no one's even talking about the fact that Avery Bradley was big on this entire we shouldn't play thing, too. It's been Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard. Niggas really hate them. Like they really that like that's it. That, that's what a lot of this stems from. Think about niggas really hate them. Think about what happened in Boston. Like he he they replaced him with a lesser player. Kemba Walker was a lesser player, and those guys were so fucking happy. Like they were so happy. <laughs> yeah, this entire this entire Laker thing completely resurrected Dwight Howard's career because it has been downhill ever since what, the first Laker. The first Laker tenure, it's been downhill from there. And the crazy thing about it is we, we look at it as it being downhill, but if you look at the numbers he did, he was putting up Hall of Fame numbers. I think his last year in Charlotte, he averaged like like 14 and 12. Like he was he was a good player throughout it, but he was just such a an alienating personality. Like it just never worked. But I think and, uh, another reason that a part of me tended to side, because I'll say straight up, like, I don't have a problem if the players decide not not to go and play. Like, I want to see NBA basketball, but I get it. I would understand completely if they didn't. And if they do, it's a personal choice. The ones that do decide to go, that's great, because shit, me and you got to go to work. So if they're going to work, then they're going to work. That's all good. I think it's a personal choice. Whatever they decide to do, that's fine. That's on them. But the specific part of what Kyrie said that I think got a whole lot of people out of whack is well this is his quote I don't support going into Orlando I'm not with systemic racism and bullshit Kyrie I don't think any of them are uh and then he said this is the line that that most people just targeted and they went off on this I'm willing to give up everything I have for it, for social reform that he's talking about. So he's saying he's willing to give up everything he has, and a whole lot of people were calling bullshit on that. I mean, he already gave up the season, like, back in... Early in the season, like, I don't... He's still getting paid, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, and I, I don't know, I'm torn because... I get... I get people, it's very easy to attack the messenger and dismiss what he's actually saying. And I think one of your favorite pundits, Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> he, he, I like to imagine that he's your favorite. No, but he was out there really loud about this because he went on the jump and he was saying Kyrie should just retire if he's willing to give up everything. Remember when, um... So he was he was saying really be about it. If you want to make a stance, then, then retire. Remember when, uh, I think, um... Dan Lebatar, what he says about Teddy Bruschi, I would have like the the Patriots fuck up. He is going against Teddy Bruschi on the air, and he has to defend their bullshit. That's yeah. I think Kendrick Perkins is that for LeBron because I think he signed a clutch. So so I think whatever happens, like he has to come on and defend LeBron. And and keep in mind that Kyrie Irving is very much at odds with LeBron. LeBron wants to finish this season and he wants to win another championship and he wants to add to his Hall of Fame resume. Well, not even his Hall of Fame. He's a surefire Hall of Fame, but he wants to have this greatest of all time resume. And Kyrie Irving and his mini revolt is in the way of that. But look, I've heard I've heard people go with that take, right? But do we think that still exists even after Kyrie Irving did the midseason reach out to LeBron in in Boston last year, where they seem to patch up a whole lot of things about? their relationship there's no way he was obviously going to stop lebron from winning this year because like you said he's not playing and 
Kevin Durant's not playing, so there's no way the Nets could have possibly done anything. And I think that is also a part of the reason why a lot of people were calling bullshit on him. But from his perspective, I think he just wants the players to take this player empowerment thing to the next level. Like, if we are going to show how empowered we are in saying where we choose to play, then we can decide whether we're not going to play. And, I mean, to him, I feel like he thinks that's the biggest stance they could take. Granted, you can use your platform while you're playing to do things, but he just wants to go a completely different route. But, I mean, what do you think? He's not playing anyway, but what do you think... He thinks I don't. I don't even. I mean, I know it's a daunting task to ask somebody to to think how Kyrie Irving thinks. But in his mind, what do you think they get out of not playing? I think what he wants to do is really have a show of force, and I think stopping entertainment, stopping a multi-billion-dollar industry like the NBA, and saying we need more than just general statements, we need more than platitudes. This, uh, as athletes, this is our way that we are going to help the community at large. I think that's where he's coming from with this. So it's difficult for me to look at that and say this is negative. You know what I mean? And Kendrick Perkins is saying to him, well, if you feel so strongly about it, then just be Maya Moore. Well, Kyrie Irving can legitimately stop playing basketball, and it will mean nothing. He never fucking has to play basketball but, again in his life. <laughs> exactly. He'll, he'll just be another footnote, another story. But if the entire season is disrupted and nobody plays, then that's something that doesn't go away. And that's something that... You, you can't you can't hide behind talking about box scores and shooting percentage and championship legacies because that's what is going to be a part of the news cycle once the game starts. There's but no there's no the stick to sports. Start, there's no stick in the sports. Yeah, if the the games never start, and we know the reasons why the game never start. That I mean, is there a possible stronger stance in that the players can take? I think you convinced me actually. You you turned. Yes. I was on the fence. I was on the fence about it. I didn't think he was wrong. I wasn't ready to come out and say, you know, I'm not. I'm not strong about anything. I wasn't come out to say he's wrong. But I think you. I I understand what you're saying, because I I was listening to ESPN the other day and they were talking about black people getting killed and they were talking about social justice and all that stuff. And if the games come back, then there's stick to sports. But with no sport and no sports to stick to, this is all we have to talk about is this social justice. Mm-hmm. And like even with the all, what, what's the name of Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes podcast? Is it all the smoke or up and smoke? All the all the smoke. One of those two. Okay, yeah. So Stephen Jackson is obviously on one side of this, but Matt Barnes is on the other because he says Kyrie Irving's bullshitting, and he's going with the same line that Kendrick Perkins is saying. Um, He's saying if you really want to give everything up, then you can beat Maya more and stop playing and you can go fight on your own. I love how now everybody, well, at least these dudes are using what Maya Moore did. And if you don't know, Maya Moore is easily the best player in the WNBA. And she put her career on hold the last two years to fight for the cause of someone who she feels is wrongly convicted. And they turned out to be right. This person is still in prison, by the way, because these things are, it's retarded the way the justice system works. But 
it's proven that that was a wrongful conviction conviction so she just dedicated the last two years of her life to that quit playing the WNBA for the time being and that's what she did so they're saying okay Kyrie if you're really about it just do that again nobody talks about Maya Moore as much as they should uh, nobody does. Nobody. I think I heard a Levitard interview with her, and that was it. Like, I, I, didn't, I haven't heard much else about it. So, and all of these people that are bringing it up now, I never heard Kendrick Port- Perkins talk about Maya Moore before this. I never heard Matt Barnes talk about Maya Moore before this. And if Kyrie Irving just does the same thing by himself, he will fade into relative obscurity. So I don't think, I don't think that comparison works for these two things but that's that's what they're holding up there they're basically saying Kyrie Irving's you're full of shit I don't even think this is a controversial stance by the way like Kyrie Irving saying hey maybe we should think about this and not do this I don't even understand how that's controversial but, and maybe that's because I expected it I think but this is an argument for Kyrie Irving being full of shit he speaks in very vague terms like he does he does well, he, he rambles he rambles yeah like so I can see you know what I mean like um I'm not saying he is full of shit or he isn't. I don't know how he feels, but he, I'm no. He can be full of sh- he can be full of shit, you know. But he can he also be, be right. right about this. Yeah. Both thing, both things can be true. He's been very vague about everything. So is so yeah. He's talking about we need to fight, but he isn't saying what for. Like I don't think. I mean, and he might have said it. I might be wrong, but I haven't heard him say, "Well, we need to end the militarization of police, or we need to end." We need to flip some DA seats, or we need to, you know what I mean? We need to register people to vote. He's very vague. <laughs> and I... Yeah, and... If if I wanted Kyrie Irving to lead me, I want to hear more about what exactly he plans to do with this time not playing basketball. And that's part of what Matt Barnes was saying. He was saying you can't just sit out and, and not have a purpose. I don't think we would get to that point without... <laughs> without there being a purpose behind it but i think this was just the beginning of the rallying cry just somebody putting the idea out there saying hey maybe we shouldn't so that takes us to pat beverly and what he posted right and everybody (laughs) knows that lebron is clearly the voice of the nba lebron is the biggest character he's not even competing with people on the court at the present moment he's competing with the ghost of michael jordan so that's it Pat Bev just blatantly puts it out there. People can say what they want to say. If Braun's saying we hooping, we hooping. Like, like, that, like that's it. This is a person who's his rival. This is a person that does not want LeBron James to win. But he's not even talking about players on his own team. No, and that's... He has the... Ri- he has the finals MVP on his team. And he is saying, it's LeBron's decision. Like, I don't know how that goes over with Kawhi, but that was just strange to me. And the Pat, Pat Beverly, his whole thing is that he's not deferential. He doesn't defer to superstars. He kind of made his... Ever. He, he made his own way in the NBA. He's a starter on a team with serious finals, like, ambitions. And he kind of made his own way. He didn't get drafted. He had to fight his way into the NBA. He had to go with people every night. So that surprised me because I think if any if anything Pat Beverly would be like fuck all these niggas, <laughs> but but he he just shows up showing deference like nah we, we whatever LeBron says. Okay, so as we're recording this, another element to <laughs> to the Kyrie story kind of broke out, and this is where your 
theory that he's just a crackpot that shouldn't be taken seriously kind of gets some validity. So apparently Kyrie's saying, you know what, let's not play in Orlando, but, but, let's form our own league. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't mean to laugh because a thought experiment of mine was always like, why, why do owners exist? Like, should the players just not get all the money? Like what? Like I, I remember thinking during the lockout when they were just playing pickup games and posting them on YouTube. Like, what if they just decided to barnstorm? Like, how much money could they make, um, without Whoa. without the teams? So, and I mean, I, I don't mean to laugh. It's just, it's just funny because Kyrie, he doesn't seem to exhibit any coherence from sentence to sentence whatsoever. And once again, he's absolutely right. I don't, I don't think there's any need for owners to exist in sports. They just take money, but. But this Kyrie, man, he's just so incoherent, and it's hilarious. He he wants to bring back the Kansas City Monarchs, and he wa he's basically wants to bring back Negro League basketball. Like that's that's what's happening. I mean, wow. I, I, I that's not going to work, but I can see he's at least coming up with ideas. I guess is the best thing we can say about this. So Matt Barnes, take that. There is a plan in place, and there is a purpose. Kyrie Irving wants to bring down the entire establishment. I I don't mind. It's just I I just want Kyrie Irving to show some consistency. I know he would be Kyrie if he did, because yesterday yesterday is about social justice, and we don't need these kinds of distractions. And now it's like, what are we playing our own league? Like he's right about everything, but like also like, what are you talking about, man? You realize if he didn't hit that pull-up three, we wouldn't have to listen to any of this. Like his his voice would absolutely not have the same amount of uh, the amount of weight that it does if he didn't hit that big time three in the finals. Thank God he hit that three. He's so weird. I I can't wait until he's done with basketball, which like I I want to see because he said he's gonna disappear from the public eye. I don't believe that whatsoever, and I can't wait to see like just what weird shit he can get up to. I will say though, like there, there was a difference in the coverage and night the story broke because, and and I love Woj, everybody loves Woj, but his story was Kyrie Irving the disruptor, and you saw stories from, for example, Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports, and he had much more details into just a tweet about exactly what Kyrie said. So it was, it seemed like there was more, more of a humanizing effort rather than just simply calling him a disruptor. And every now and then, these moments kind of arise, and, and you think, you need more people that have similar sensibilities to these players covering these players. No, for sure. Because nine times out of ten, it's an old white guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I guess those old white guys are like the audience proxies. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I agree. I mean, I don't. I don't really listen to these dudes. If I listen to like an NBA podcast, it's like Bomani Jones speaking of Vincent Goodwill. I just it, it it always reminded me of an experience I had actually being in the the Pelicans locker room when when Buddy was there. This was when we went up there to, for Buddy's first game, and Lance Stevenson happened to be on the Pelicans at that time, and. He seemed very disinterested in everything else that was going on because Meat Mill had just dropped. I can't remember if it was Dream Chasers 2 or 3. I think it was 3. But um, 
so that album just came out and he was just walking around the locker room playing it and he was really excited about it and trying to get people to comment on it but <laughs> given the Given the demographic of the people that cover the NBA, none of them had any idea what he was talking about. And I just looked around the locker room like, wow, they, they need some young black people in here covering a young black person's sport. You know what's, you know what's an hilarious thought I, that popped in, into my mind just now that I thought about? Could you imagine like how much fun Lance Stevenson must have had in New Orleans for like that three-month stretch? Yes, it was amazing. And then he got, I'm doing this in air quotes, he got hurt. Yeah. And that was that was the end of it, after he got hurt. I saw Lance Stevenson in Atlantis once, like, in the, in the lobby of the Royal Towers. And he was having a fucking blast. Like, he was having so much fun just in the lobby of the Royal Towers. Like, so, just imagine New Orleans, Lance. <laughs> Amazing. So, alright, so... What Kyrie Irving wants to do, that's an example of an athlete using his voice and his power to, uh, to, 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 I guess, you mean, carry the torch of social, social activism. You mean what he wants? And there have been, I'm sorry, I mean, what, there have been a whole, there, there have been a whole lot of athletes doing this at this point. And if there's ever been a time that people are going to listen to the athlete, I think it's now. Listen to the black athlete. I think it's now. And we've seen it everywhere. We've seen it in the NFL, in the NBA. But most recently, we've seen it in the place where you would probably expect to see it least of all in college football. There's a whole lot of college football coaches with the, what can I call it, SEC sensibility that are going through it right now. <laughs> you, know, you know what's surprising? I think uh, I think the most like the people who you expect to be like the most against all this shit. I think they're super with it. I think Nick Saban, who who gave a clumsy kind of speech, but I've I've heard him said like years ago. I've heard him say surprisingly progressive things on paying players, and then Ed Orgeron, who's like a Democrat, <laughs> who was like yelling to people to stay inside. Who I think his players love. Like I think. Like he, I don't think he shows up and shakes your dad's hands and and give your dad's hand and give you like coach feet. I think he pounds monster energy drinks and takes off his shirt. Those dudes are the guys who like coming out of this doing good. They are, and I I think it it goes back to something that that when we were talking about Woj and the guys that cover the NBA and them being a proxy for the fan base. I think college football coaches kind of have to be that because we know particularly in the south but we know what the um we know what the fan base is like for college football right oh and we know you can you went to college in kentucky and i went to college in alabama so we know we know what it is I, i'm saying like just listen to one episode of the paul the Feinbaum Feinbaum show when he's when he's getting calls and you you'll you'll see what i mean by sec sensibility that's them but yeah, that's them right there. So in the most recent episode, you have uh, Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. He saw Mike Van, Mike Van Gundy. He saw Mike Gundy wearing a, a picture of OAN. And if you don't know, OAN is a super right-wing network. It's like a much lesser-known Fox News. No, it's like so they. It's like Fox News. If Fox News is like, we're not even gonna try to like. Because Fox is mixing news in there every once in a while. 
but yeah. not these guys. No, not at all. So that's basically what it is. And he sees that Hubbard sees that, and he says, "Nah, I I am not with the bullshit." And like a lot of college players have been, he was he went straight to social media with it. And I think it's important for people to know something, right? Like, and I I, I picked up on this very early just from trying to cover cover players um, under NCAA regulations. They cannot just go and do a story. Like, even when we try to cover Bahamian athletes, we have to go through ADs. And a lot of times, if you're there in person, they're there, you know, they go through what you want to ask them. And then they they try to be very well prepared. So they try to protect them from ever having their voices heard. And I think that plays into the whole dynamic of college football. Like, you are just a soldier on the line. You're a cog in the system. There's no individuality in there. But I think... Well, I think now, now because of social media, that's their direct line to having their voices heard. They don't have to reach out to anyone in the media or sit down and do anything with the AD. So when they feel something, they go ahead and they say it. And that's been working for them. I think Chuba has a special kind of leverage because he was, what, a 2,000-yard rusher? For Oklahoma yeah. State, I think he was he the conference player of the year. Or um, this, d- just to make it very clear, this is someone who does not need Oklahoma he, State football, like at all. No, like if he, if he decided to say fuck this shit, I'm not doing this shit, and went home, he would probably be uh top two rounds. He's a running back, so maybe not top two, but he would be in the NFL next year. <laughs> like if he he would probably be starting in the NFL next year if he decided that he didn't need this. And so right after he says that, then they do this weird video where Gundy is apologizing and then Gundy goes by himself and does another weird video. No, sorry. Gundy didn't didn't apologize apologize in the first video. Yeah, he didn't apologize. And then this is my thing, right? If you want to watch that station and that's what you believe in and that's what you profess, that's fine. But you cannot do that and then also go into the living rooms of black families and say, you can't entrust me with your son because those people are not going to be with the bullshit. Like, you can have your views if you want, but those people also have the right to say, I I don't want somebody that aligns themselves with that sort of thinking to be in charge of my son's life for two to four years or however long you're there. What what I what I found about these coaches handling these things so clumsily, what's evident is the just how segregated football is. And and how kind of yeah. discriminatory it is in hiring because locker rooms are like super super segregated because they're so big. They get segmented so like the white kids all hang out together. I've seen this happen when I was in college. But um I'm sure you have too. But mm-hmm. but what also shows is that those white kids who only hang out with white kids in the locker room, those are the guys that get hired. They get the the graduate assistant jobs. They get the offensive coordinator jobs. And then they get hired as head coaches. And so we got guys trying to recruit players, and they're fucking disconnected. They don't they don't see the humanity of their the players they're trying to recruit. And that's um that's not like a Mike Gundy problem. That's a college football problem. And. This is this is what I'm saying, and I, I, it seems weird that there's this disconnect with, especially with college football players, because you have to you have to interact. So even though the locker rooms may be segregated, but as a coach, you have to do so much interaction with these players. You have to shit. You have to sell their parents on on you taking them away from home. 
like how are you doing that but still so disconnected from the black experience i i, I guess head coach i guess i I guess it's because they see them as a means to an end. Yeah, for sure. That's all I can say. And I guess too, if you're the head coach, you you don't do you probably don't do any of the hands-on stuff. Like I saw a video of Nick Saban going over like a defensive back drill. Maybe he does that, but most college head coaches, especially like at a place like Oklahoma State, which isn't it isn't top of the pile, but it's pretty up there. So maybe you're busy delegating and signing off on things and running the show. And your position guys and your assistants do the daily hands-on things. They do the recruiting, they do the coaching, they do the and you you busy captain in the ship. Listen, whether it's and we would prefer for a lot of it to be genuine because you want to see genuine change in the actions of people. You want to see genuine changes in mindset. But college football coaches whole their opinions mean a lot and if they are the ones that are going to be purveyors of change i think it goes a long way but if if you want to lose your team quickly then don't be in line with any of this stuff <laughs> if you are a college football coach and you are not in line with what your players think right now you are going to lose your team fast that's just the way it is that's the way it probably should have been a very long time ago. You think about people losing their team. Um, I don't know if you heard about anything that happened in Iowa, but how do you think that ends? This is another thing. Like, it's been happening everywhere. It's been happening in Iowa, FSU. It's happened at Texas where <laughs> Tom Herman had one of the surprisingly strong takes I've heard when he said, yeah, you want them, you're okay with them playing football, but how many of you would be okay with them dating your daughter? Which is... That was strong. Wow, that's... That is also very true. But you know what Tom Herman did, very. right? He he might have cut it. He might have so, cut himself off from the boosters. But I think he uh, he won some players over. This is this is what I'm saying, and you have to realize that as a coach, you cannot. Ju it's not just about football. You have to manage personalities, and if these players don't buy into you, then you don't have a job. That's as simple as it is. Because it, the minute players start buying into you, and you can't recruit. The boosters have no use for you. You're done. So you are going to have to find a way to... Listen, that's why you get paid so much and the payers don't get played at all. You have to find a way to appease the fan base. And at the same time, you got to coach these kids. What I what I want to see... What would be interesting to me is to see what happens with guys like Mike Gundy. And with um with your, your uh, boy in Iowa, what's his name? Uh, is it fair? Uh, not not uh, Ferris, but it's Kirk Ferris. Is it Kirk... Yeah, there's no the head coach. Yeah, a strength coach. Well, I a lot of stories. No, no, I know. I know a lot of stories came about the head coach and stuff he did to people. And oh, right, 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 right. And Oklahoma State and Iowa, they um, they've been relatively good over the course of these guys' um, coaching tenures, but they aren't recruiting hotspots. They don't get the five-star recruits. You know what I mean? They don't get their first pick. They have to kind of reach on the fringes. Like, Tariq Hill, he went to Oklahoma State. I think he beat up his girlfriend, and then he went to my school, UWA. But those are the guys they have to get. They have to get the five foot ten, uh, you know what I mean, three-star guys. They don't get the five-star guys. Yeah. And if they're seeing, if, if people think that, okay, you're not going to take care of my kid. My kid isn't going to the NBA, uh, to the NFL anyway, and you're not you're going to treat him poorly. You know what I mean? I wonder if that could kind of... That can be the difference with them between winning and losing. I wonder how that affects them moving forward. It absolutely will be the difference, which is why I'm saying this is why you see all of them doing this linguistic gymnastics, trying to make it very clear that 
like Gundy said, Black Lives Matter to me. Like, it's, it's great that you would no say shit, this they get you paid, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, to a college football coach, Black Lives should matter to them more than anything else. I'm sure they do. It's the reason they're mil- it's the reason they're millionaires. But I think the point of the point of everything that's happening right now, the point of of rioting, the point of protesting, all of that is to enact some kind of change. And I think that that's what Kyrie wants with the NBA, that's what these college football players want is to enact some kind of change. And you can actually see where people being very vocal you can actually see where protesting has caused immediate change right now immediate change right now because people are loud and people are clear that they're not going to take any of this stuff anymore so can we even be surprised that athletes are going to follow down the same path not at all and i i i wonder if coaching changes if coaching if the the position i mean if the if the if the profession changes moving forward, you know what I mean? If college sports become more player-oriented. Um, I hope so, but I feel like as long as long as inequality persists, you will always have just poor kids in Texas and Florida and California just looking for some way out, you know what I mean? Somewhere to go. Oh, speaking for... Oh, I can't believe I almost forgot about this, but speaking of looking for a way out, the NFL... <laughs> And you know what? This this may be a record for on a podcast for people that I previously perceived as villains, and I now feel sorry for them, and I'm gravitating towards their side. But oh boy, Roger Goodell, I I feel kind of bad for Roger Goodell because. Okay, you heard reports before all of this, right? You heard people saying there was nothing definitive given towards it, but. You've heard that Roger Goodell was not against cap being signed. He wanted you heard to before be- that. Yeah, you heard that Roger Goodell actually wanted that to happen, but it's not Roger Goodell's decision. This is bosses. Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell works for the owners. So even when, even when he did that statement, we don't know if all the owners were on board with that because that whole thing was somewhat of a rogue production. We don't know what the blowback is going to be from that, and now Goodell is giving voice to saying. He hopes Kaepernick gets signed. Is Roger Goodell turning rogue because he's already been paid more money than he can spend in a lifetime and now he's just deciding that I have to try and correct some wrongs and be on the right side of history with this whole thing? Roger Goodell, uh, well, here's the thing about Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell's dad was a senator. He played football in college and all he ever wanted to be was the NFL commissioner. So his first job out of college was at the NFL office. His daddy got him a job in the NFL office. He never had a job in his life, never needed one. He don't give a shit about none of this shit anymore. I think he's starting to realize it, that I don't, I don't need this shit. He makes, what, $40 million a year? Roger Goodell, I think Bomani said this, Roger Goodell is still spending 2011, 2012 money. <laughs> Like he ain't even he ain't even touched the twenty sixty in money yet, so he's he's fine. If he was making forty million a year for like, any comes from money, it's not like he's not used. And you were making forty million a year for like the past, I don't know how many years. Would you need any of this shit? No, and I gotta tell you, I I was actually although it was just pre- he was pretty much repeating the things that 
uh, Pat Mahomes and Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins and everybody else did in that video. He repeated the things that they said they wanted to see from the NFL. He repeated that in his video, but I thought that was a big deal because we've never heard the NFL do anything like that. You know, we've never heard the NFL back down from their stance. And this seems to me like, I, I, I mean, I guess I don't want to give him too much credit because he still could just be going with the, the flow of, of the tide. He could just be riding the wave. But it seems to me like we're watching a transformation in Roger Goodell's, either in his mindset or his willingness to stand up I think, to the I owners. think Roger always felt that way. I think he just he wanted to get that off his chest, and this is the perfect chance because the league had to save face after that video. If they turn around and fired Roger, how would that make them look? That being said, is there anything they can do? Like, can they do anything that would fix the last four years? They, I feel like if they were to sign Colin Kaepernick and he could play and. I mean, you watch you watch the 49ers run into in, the Super Bowl this year, right? Where they yeah. they just stopped letting Garoppolo throw the ball because they didn't think he could throw the ball. And when he threw the ball, he proved them right. He, he was fucking terrible. I genuinely believe that if Colin Kaepernick was playing instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, they probably would have won that Super Bowl. And, like, I think there is a space for him in the NFL, and that could be their redemption arc. They get to act like they never did anything wrong in the first place, and they get to they get to act like, see, we we done right. But I don't think the owners can get over it. I don't think they they cannot let it go. They they won't. Because there's the all owners in all of these professional sports. I think the NFL owners are a whole lot like the baseball owners. They didn't make their money from this. This is their side hustle. This is their plaything, and this is where they can have the most bravado and feel like everything has to be their way or no way at all. You're right about that. I don't see them getting past it, and I don't see them caring enough about um, Kaepernick's career to actually signing him back. Even if he comes back and he does well, what they're going to hear is, well, he could have been doing this for three, four years. Like you're late to the party on this. And whenever his career comes to an end, they're going to say, well, we were robbed of seeing even more of this stuff because you took away such a huge chunk of his prime. So people have short, I don't, people have short memories, man. He'll have to win a Super Bowl, like two. Maybe if he wins two Super Bowls, then they forget about it. People have a short memory. Michael Vick came back and had the best season of his career. Uh, Tate, they still hate him to this day. To this day. Well, he did something wrong. Like, Colin Kaepernick didn't do anything wrong. That that also true. Like, I mean, you could... Uh, yeah, hold, hold on, hold on, though. Colin Kaepernick didn't do anything wrong, but the perception of what he was doing seems worse than what Michael Vick actually did to a large segment of America. Well, not now. Now, Michael, they're on the wrong side of it now. <laughs> like, he... My, uh, uh, the people signing checks or the uh, oh no not that I don't think it matters to them being on the wrong side of no, it. I don't care like, whatsoever. For all the wrong that Michael Vick did, he went to prison, came out, and went right back to football. You know, like you said, Kaepernick ain't do shit wrong, but was just blackball. And then I, like, I guess Michael Vick, I guess he had to be contrite <laughs> with this comeback. Kaepernick yeah. had he has no reason to be contrite, and he will not be contrite. So as well as well he shouldn't. Yeah, so I don't know. 
because, I mean, we can talk about, speaking about how people, how wrong they are now, like, look at Drew Brees. Look at how everybody turned on him when he gave those flag-humping comments. He just went into autopilot. If he said that a couple days earlier, nobody would even think about it. <laughs> like, Drew Brees is showing up to training camp playing uh, the loudest bounce music he can find. <laughs> he may get big free to the, he may get big free to come with them to training camp. Um, he's going to be he's going he's not going to be current in his chase for black culture, right? So he'll probably show up wearing like Fat Farm and Rockaway. Not, not knowing that these things. Things don't exist anymore. But this is how Drew Brees is gonna endear himself to the black community. You you saw what Matt Ryan did right as a white quarterback in a black ass city. Hey, immediately after Drew Brees said that shit, Matt Ryan was like, "Here, take some money." Black Lives Matter. He was like, "Black Lives Matter. Police brutality needs to stop." I think he's the guy who got killed this weekend. He was like, "He should be alive." Period. Yeah. You know, what Matt Ryan sounds like a guy who has to live in Atlanta. Hey. I'm with you, Matty Ice. All right, that'll do it for this week because all of this stuff changes so much. I promise you we will be back here by next week and it'll be a completely new storyline. That's the best and worst part of this entire thing. We didn't even get to how much Patrick Mahomes surprised me. I thought he was going to be like, uh, uh, my parent, I'm biracial, I'm not really black kind of guy, but he surprised me. We didn't even get to that. Hey, his his dad was a professional baseball player in the nineties. He went through some shit. He saw some things. Oh, this is so much. He he went through some things. I'm willing to bet that this is baseball. He he grew up in Tyler too. I'm sure he's he he was called the N word at some point in his life. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right, Tish. This is so much fun. Y'all stay woke.